Welcome to episode 363 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. It's uh, pandemic time and hope you're doing all right. We have an extra special conversation with regular contributor Nash Rose with her segment Nash in New York. She's holed up with Nori in Yonkers, looking out the window at the GW Bridge and the Hudson and the Manhattan skyline. We discuss how the government's doing, what we are learning about ourselves and about society while we reflect on what the heck is going on. We also look forward to a June wedding and uh, talk about groceries and humor and all of this, if there is any, and uh, look forward to better days. A great conversation with Nash Rose this week. We have an EW essay titled Soulfulness, and uh, we share an excerpt from Jack Kerouac's masterwork On the Road, and a poem called Vespa Two. All of this, of course, as is always the case, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. Again, it's so nice to have you with us. I hope you're doing all right. Let's get to it. Episode 363 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. New York, I love you. But you're bringing me down New York, I love you But you're bringing me down Like a rat in a cage Pulling minimum wage New York, I love you but you're bringing me down New York, you're safer And you're wasting my time Our records all show You were filthy but fine But they shuttered your stores When you opened the door Cops who were bored once they'd run out of crime New York, you're perfect, oh please don't change a thing Your mild billionaire mayor's now convinced he's a king And so the boring collect I mean all disrespect In the neighborhood bars I'd once dreamt I would drink New York, I love you, but you're freaking me out There's a ton of the twist, but we're fresh out of shout Like a death in the hall That you hear through your wall 
New York, I love you, but you're freaking me out. New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. Like a death of the heart. Jesus, where do I start? But you're still the one pool where I'd happily drown. Soulful. You are walking down the street, barely uttering a peep. You look out your living room window. There is the Hudson River with the GW Bridge, spanning majestic, its flowing width long into the Atlantic. Across the ocean, word has it in London town, PM Boris has tested positive his dry cough and bed sweats. A woman in Scranton died in her home after making the choice to not see a doctor because she could not afford it, and food too. People are still planning weddings, looking forward to graduation, hoping to find love, trying to figure out how to extract themselves from a bad relationship, a dead-end job. Others wonder, how is this so different from the struggles and barriers they face daily? Always. The economy, or humanity, or the mortgage, or college, or the church, or the pub, the alley, the shelter, looking forward to the summer swelter, because we heard that will kill this virus. I sit back 
And then, within a beautiful memory, walks by sweet, strong iris. A yellow sun umbrella with a pink-laced handle she spins in her elegant fingers, pointing at the clear blue sky with lavender blossoms on the mountains in the background. And time is measured now by the sun again, and strength exists in objective truth and soulfulness is a kind of proof that humanity might continue to truly exist here. Perhaps sublime the next go-round, instead of so vague and surreal as is this present deal. Keeping secrets in an offshore fan But my money is quick to can't I got the 
Hello, Nash. Is that you? That's me. How are you? Good. How are you, Nash, in New York, ladies and gentlemen, on <laughs> Troubadours and Rock on Tours? Uh, Nash is a comedic writer and a comedian as well. So, are you in New York right now? I am in New York. Which borough? I'm actually in Westchester. I live in Yonkers. Well, I was in Brooklyn, but we recently moved to Yonkers. And uh, you're holed up because of the pandemic. I mean, I feel pretty. I feel pretty good. <laughs> Are you? Uh, I mean, everybody. Uh, I feel like everybody around me is like panicking and having cabin fever, and uh, I'm like, I. It hasn't kicked in for me yet. I saw this meme that was like. When you find out your lifestyle is called quarantine, and I thought it was hilarious because I'm like, I'm a homebody. <laughs> yeah. I like being at home. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, yep. it's, it, is, it is kind of like it slows you down, which is nice. Don't you think? It does. I mean, I think it's great. I was talking to my fiancé who's like really going crazy about being in the house, which is funny because he's always in the house except to go perform. But I, I'm like, I guess I, I'm optimistic that this is a temporary situation. And so I'm focusing on the forced downtime to just kind of relax and be at home and, <laughs> and things like that. And he's looking at it more like it's forever and we'll never be able to go outside again. So I think, I don't know, maybe that's why people are going crazy, but I'm like, hey, it's a forced, it's kind of a forced vacation. You have to be home, you can just cook all day, you can stream and binge watch television. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how it's been for me. And I, every time I say that, people are like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I guess, I guess I am. I guess I am. No, I don't think you're crazy. I mean, your, your fiance is also a comedian and a comedic writer, right? He is a comedian, yes. Uh, so, you know, you two uh, can't perform right now, really, right? So is, isn't that uh, sort of a concern in terms of, I mean, I guess I, what I'm getting at, some people can't make money. Yeah. And, yeah, it is a concern. You know, all of his gigs and all of my gigs were canceled. And um, even, like, big festivals, we were supposed to go to one in Austin, Texas next month and they pushed it to September already. So yeah, that there's that element of it. Um, thankfully we have a cushion saved, but you know, there is like when time passes, you start living off of that cushion and then it becomes a problem. But I guess I just haven't been focusing on that. He has though. Well, yeah, I don't mean to bring you there either. You're in a good blissful place. Sorry to make you think about that. But another thing, you're going to get some money from the government. You know, the stimulus package was recently passed. So you should be getting you and uh, is it Nori? Yeah. You're both going to get uh, some money, as most of us will, as long as you filed taxes last year <clears throat> and or this year. So that'll help maybe. I don't know. Um when when you look out your window there in Yonkers, what do you see? Is it is it? Uh, do you have a nice view of the neighborhood? We have a view of the Hudson. We live right on the water, and if I look to the left, it's a, it's a neighborhood. 
nobody's outside. Nobody. No, it's 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 nobody's outside. Nobody's outside. There's no cars in the street, which is a little abnormal. It's just quiet. You just see birds flying and still waters, literally. And I have a view of the Manhattan skyline behind the Washington Bridge. It's really nice. It sounds gorgeous. It sounds gorgeous. Yeah, it's pretty, very pretty. And we're talking right now, the time of day, it's about 11 o'clock in the morning. So normally there'd be a lot of action going on. Yeah, usually, especially like in front of the building, the street that we live on is usually people in and out of the garage and deliveries and nothing. Just parked cars too, which is different. Usually at this time, people are at work. Um, but, but what, well, streets are lined with parked cars and no humans in sight. Is is uh, is is it difficult passing the time with all that sort of calmness? Uh, what are you doing to pass the time? Um, well, we have a lot of writing projects that we are working on. Like um, we have some scripts due for Comedy Central that we have to edit that passes a lot of time. One script takes about three to five hours. So there's that. And then um, maybe two other writing projects that we can't talk about what they are. So, but that makes time pass. And, and other than that, they're either cooking and eating or binge watching something. So I feel like the days for me have been going by pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's you guys are busy. That's excellent. And you have each other, which is nice as well. Uh, you're sort of like... I mean, you guys are recently engaged, uh, and uh, did, you know, someone had asked me, actually, my wife, uh, because we we uh, we watch the little thing you're doing on your couch lately. You know, uh, arguing. I think what's it called? <laughs> arguing with Nuri and Nash. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> thanks for watching it. <laughs> oh, it's it's very entertaining. It's nice, to, and it's nice to see the chemistry chemistry between you two. But um, she was, my wife was saying, I wonder if, you know, they're, they had uh, wedding plans up, uh, you know, coming up and then they'd have to postpone them. Yeah, we do. Uh, for June 20th, we were having a, a wedding reception uh, that is looking like we have to move. Um, but I'm, I'm happy because we were doing something small, so it shouldn't be too much of an issue. We're doing... Um, so June 19th, we're going to get um, married at the courthouse, and then we were going to do a huge um, celebration the following day with our family and close friends. Not huge, but small, but like huge as in the, the actual celebration, but nice and intimate at this place we rented, um, which is gorgeous. It actually used to be the house of Richard Gere and the Dalai Lama. It's beautiful. Wow. But um, that was our plan. So it shouldn't be too hard to move the date in the future. But I think if we're allowed out, we're still going to go and get married on June 19th and then just have the celebration later. Excellent. Is it a, so are you, you getting a judge to do it or some sort of a minister or priest or what have you? Probably the judge, whoever, whoever's at the courthouse. I don't know how that works fully. <laughs> Non-religious um, at the courthouse. That's yeah. Congratulations. That's exciting. Um, and uh, we like it. We want to just keep it simple. We're big fans of less is more. I agree. And, um, yeah, looking forward to that. But yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday because my friend asked me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm gonna see. I'll know like mid-April exactly what we're gonna do with that because it's so small. So we'll see. 
So you're going to have bridesmaids and the maid of honor or matron of honor or whatever the terminology is? Nope, none of that. None of that. It's just going to be a reception. Nice. Nice and, nice and easy. I, you know, it's it's. I, I love the calmness and I love the clarity and the positivity. I, you guys are in basically what a lot of folks are saying, the epicenter of the coronavirus right now, New York City. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's like a movie almost. Um, you watch it. It really is. Isn't it? It really is. I was working with someone a couple weeks ago, and last week I found out that that person tested positive for the virus. So we had to go get tested to be safe. And so we went up to, at the time, the only testing facility in New Rochelle, New York, which is about 30 minutes from where we live in Yonkers. And it's a drive-through facility, and it really looked like a scene out of an apocalyptic like movie. It was insane. And that was an experience. So we got tested, and we got our results two days later, and they were negative, thank God. And, um, yeah, it was, that was the great news. I mean, we kind of knew that that was going to be the outcome. Well, we didn't really because I had a cold. <laughs> the beginning like for four days last week and I was like oh my god I hope that this isn't like oh, symptoms of this virus yeah yeah but it wasn't it was negative and by the time I got the test the cold was gone but still well by the time I got the test results the cold was gone but still it was nice to get that extra reassurance and we've just been isolating for the most part since yeah. Oh, God. You know, I saw you guys celebrating again on your on your program, uh, you and Nori. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what what about groceries and the like? How you how you doing that? How you you know and Yonkers? What do you what what are your options? Um, we should go to our local grocery store, like ten minute drive from where we live. Um, we stocked up on like some necessities. I want to say a week and a half ago. And then now when we need like little, if we need like new pro, like fresh produce or an ingredient here or there, we'll just go out and head to the grocery store and back. I've been terrible. I mean, we're just a house of two people and two cats. So it's pretty, it's not hard to stay stocked up with food. Uh, so grateful it hasn't been an issue. Uh, this grocery store has been like wiped out. <laughs> And a, a lot of things that we went for, but his mother lives like 40 minutes like north of us. So when we went to go see her, because we have to take her to her chemo, she was recently diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Oh, sorry. But to hear when that. we take her to the, we take thank you, we take her to the grocery store there. I don't know if it's because it's such a, um, it's not high population. She was like in the woods. It's fully stocked, so we were able to get everything we were missing from that store. And it just seems like it seems like the coronavirus isn't even happening where she lives. It's crazy. And what part of New York is that again? In Yorktown Heights. That's like that's like upstate, almost upstate. Yeah, you know, I mean, New Ro New Rochelle is pretty bad. I know that area, and New York City, of course. Uh, uh, as we said, the epicenter of it all. What do you? What do you think about the way uh, your president, your governor, and your mayor are dealing with things? 
I think that Trump is hilarious, but um, I think he's hilarious. He's very entertaining, but I just don't think that he he just constantly puts out information or says things in a way that could be confrontational and detrimental to other races and other people. And that's all I'll say about him. Um, I think Governor Cuomo is doing a great job with, you know, showing everybody that he cares and keeping everybody updated with his plan of action step-by-step, day-by-day, even with the stay-at-home order that we have in place. There's, like, a whole website with all the details on it. I think it's really good and accurate. And the mayor, uh, same, same thing. They're kind of in the same boat. I think they're doing great. I think they're doing better than the Trump. The Trump. I said the Trump. Well, I think that's, <laughs> a, that's a good way of putting it. The Trump. <laughs> they're doing better with the Trump. <laughs> no, they're doing better. I think they're doing better than Trump. But at the same time, I don't know. It's just, uh, Trump is Trump. Well, I try not to digest them too much. No, you'll get agita. You know, indigestion. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know the term Ajitha. You you, you uh, lived in northeastern Pennsylvania for a while. You must have heard that term. I have. Uh, how's your mother doing, by the way? She's doing well. She lives in Texas, and she's enjoying the nice weather. It's 80-degree weather there. And staying inside. Well, yeah. if they have a porch, a little balcony, but that's still technically inside. Yeah. Yeah, Texas is a different situation altogether with regards to how they're handling the coronavirus. Their their governor and their uh, lieutenant governor, you know, the, I think he was the guy, I know he was the guy, the lieutenant governor of Texas that said his grandparents would be willing to die to save the economy. Remember that statement? Did you... <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing that floating around all over the Internet. Um, yeah, no comment. <laughs> I feel like that statement speaks for itself. It's crazy. Truly. I, you know, I, you mentioned earlier how you're kind of looking at this as a, an opportunity to, to, I don't know, sort of have some positive uh, growth or, or centeredness, uh, you know, while we have this, the downtime and uh, we're, we're not working, we're not running around. I, I also look at it as an opportunity to, to really see what our priorities are as a people, as a society, as individuals. And that kind of statement really compels you, it provokes you to wonder, you know, how important we place economy and money in, in our, in our you know, scheme of, of life. Uh, and I, I obviously, I, I think we, we have it as too high of a priority, you know, especially. Uh, yeah. You know, the downtime, why can't we be like this more often and still have a solid way of existence you know that's what i'm thinking about why why do we have to be the proverbial rats in the maze running around like crazy losing ourselves and our connection with each other so that we can have a strong economy to the extent where some of these people are saying go back to work the economy needs you so what you might get sick or get other people sick what do you think about that i mean have you reflected on that too Not so much. I think like I think that it is well this country for one is run off of greed historically and presently. 
So I get why somebody who <laughs> who's a, who believes they are a patriot, a true patriot of America, would say something like that. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's just to me, it's just not shocking. That's 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 how this country's built. That's why it's not a third world country. That's why racism exists. That's why all of these things happen. That's why America is perceived as number one across the world is because of the greed that we have. So it's just not shocking. I don't think it's the right way to think. I don't think it makes sense to like <laughs> die for money because if you die, you won't even be able to spend it. But um, I get it. I get why they say that, but I also understand why it's ridiculous at the same time. I haven't really thought about it. I've just seen it. I've seen it. I was talking about it actually briefly with my fiance earlier because we saw it um, while we were scrolling Twitter and he's like, hey, did you see this? And we just looked at it and laughed and just kind of kept kept moving. It's just, it's just one of those things that's so ridiculous that it feels like you just have to laugh and let it roll off your back. Yeah, so you don't get bitter and, and go crazy, sure, but at the same time, I mean, it speaks volumes. It really does. It makes you wonder where we're, what our priorities are. Are we on the wrong path? And, and you know, I'm, as, I, as I hear you respond, I think about the fact that in some ways your experience here in the United States is a bit different than mine, at least, in some ways, in other ways quite the same. Uh, I'm, you know, a European-American you're, uh, you have connection to uh, the African American experience, um, and and uh, do you think people of color maybe are experiencing this psychologically uh, and economically different differently than people from European American backgrounds? I think so. I definitely think so. Obviously, I can't speak for an entire population, culture, race of people, no. but I feel confident to say that I think for a lot of, specifically speaking, Black Americans um, aren't noticing much of a difference than what they experience on a regular basis. So it's kind of like a lot of white people in America are experiencing or not even really experiencing, I'm not even going to say that because that's ridiculous, but they may believe they're experiencing what hundreds of thousands of, not even just black Americans, Hispanic Americans, uh, Asian Americans go there on a daily basis, not knowing when money is going to come in, um, not having, not being able to go anywhere because you can't go anywhere. Um, Have a limited supply of food. If you even have that, not knowing like they can't even close the schools completely here because, which I never even thought about myself that children in New York City alone are going to school because that's the only place that they can get two meals a day. So to hear people, especially wealthy people, panicking, oh, I can't go back to work, and they're out of toilet paper. It's like, okay, oh, my God, you've experienced a little bit of struggle. Welcome to the world. <laughs> so it's, I think it's definitely, it's definitely different and Literally, I mean, I, I feel so confident that there's probably somebody right now who's literally thinking, this is how it always is. What is everybody freaking out? The only difference now is that they can get, like, a virus if they go outside. That's probably the only difference. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you for that insight. Nash Rose, Nash in New York is the name of the segment. Um, Nash is in Yonkers right now talking to us uh, in her apartment where she needs to stay because of the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, I, when right now it's early on. You know, it's only, we're speaking, it's March 26th. So you haven't, it hasn't peaked yet in New York City the number of cases, uh, and uh, in the United States, we're not sure. You know, you have different stories. Mostly the medical professionals are saying stay away from each other, uh, quarantine yourselves, let's let's flatten the curve, all of that stuff. Uh, so it's early on. Where do you think this is is going? Do you have a, a sense? Do you, do you worry about it? What do you expect um, I hope that, I, I keep saying this to people, I hope that this is all somehow miraculously over or in control by May. Um, I get worried. Oh, I know it probably sounds like off because some people worry about money and income and things like that, but I get worried at the thought that this is going to cancel summer and we all have to stay in the house all summer. So that's where I get worried and that's, I don't know what that says about my character, but that's where I get like, oh no, this has to, I can't be in a house if it's 80 degrees outside, what am I going to do? But my hope is that everything is more under control or understood at least about the virus by May. And I got a little bit of relief when I was reading that China reopened their movie theaters and stuff like that. So they got it under control in about two months, a month and a half. And maybe we can learn from that and expedite it. That's what I'm hoping. Other than that, I have no idea where it's going to go. I'm kind of just, you know, taking each day as it comes, and I read, read and watch the news every day, and just see what the latest updates are, and just staying hopeful. I'm like really hoping for May that this is over. Yeah, I understand that. And again, I mean, you're relatively young. You know, you're around thirty, and you're you're looking to get married, and uh, you know, you're vigorous. Uh, you have a lot of stuff to look forward to, and and that that'll propel you, and 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 also influence what you want, I suppose. As uh, people in different phases of their lives are propelled and influenced by whatever you know is going on, then like if you're an older person, you're more concerned, uh, perhaps about your health, and um, and and not so vigorous because you know just the, the way the physical body works as you age. Uh, so your phase of, of, of life is, is a good one to be, to propel you and to give you hope, I think. Um, and I hope your wedding happens in June. Um, nonetheless, you and, and, uh, your fiance have, uh, have time together each and every day because you're sequestered by mandate, government mandate. So you guys can have a good time. Maybe it's a true test is how good you'll be together, too, right? After after like eight weeks, are you still going to want to get married if you're like stuck together in an apartment every day? <laughs> you know, that's the funny thing is that we are already always together, literally, because the nature of our business is, you know, we don't work during the day. We perform at night. So we're home all day and we work on our projects together all day. And then we go to each other's shows at night. Sometimes we perform together. So we are literally already always, literally always together. <laughs> so it doesn't, that doesn't feel any different for us either, thankfully. But some people, 
yeah, I feel like <laughs> you get a really going to see if you like this person. Right. Right. You know, you, you hear predictions. A lot of divorce, a lot of divorces are going to occur after this. Um, no, as I mentioned before, you guys have great chemistry. So, you know, I, I, I would bet Thank on you. you for sure. Now, what have you learned about yourself so far, the U.S. and humanity, given all of this, this pandemic stuff? Anything that you've garnered so far? I think what I, I think what I learned about myself is that I might be, I don't know, I might be pretty lazy because I, I realize how much I enjoy doing nothing. I really genuinely enjoy. I used to joke and say my favorite thing to do is nothing. But now I really see, like, I really am enjoying this. And everybody else is like, I need to work. I'm not doing anything. And I'm like, it's great. Get to wake up whenever you want. <laughs> don't do anything because nobody can do anything. So I think I want to work on that. <laughs> Maybe make myself fall in love with being active more. But um, with the U.S., I learned that people panic easily and um, very easily how much the media controls everything, perspective, feelings, fears. Uh, optimism and if there was ever such thing as extraterrestrial life or even mutants among us just hypothetically uh, we will never be able to know about it because we can't even handle toilet paper and not hogging all of it so that other people can get some too <laughs> and the government I'm learning um, you know I don't know I'm just kind of observing the government because my belief is that you know we never know what's really happening and I think that they're very good at at giving what they think the public can handle and testing that. So those are the three things that I think I'm learning in this quarantine process. Is it giving you any hope about humanity? Hope about humanity. That's right, humanity. Um, <sighs> or is it making you cynical about humanity? I don't humanity? know. I don't know I'm cynical. I just, it, I, I just think it's just... Um, it it kind of makes me a little worrisome how easily panicked humanity becomes and it shows I know like a lot of us are coming together people say it's bringing us together but oh, I, I have a cat in here I well. hear it I hear it <laughs> who's that who's that <laughs> it's Liam my, Liam my kitten yeah um but what was I saying yeah I just I just get worried because it, it brings I feel like it brings out a lot of selfishness in the form of selflessness and um, it really shows the willingness of self-preservation. Okay, Liam. Did yeah. you say selfishness in the form of selflessness? Yeah. Explain that to me. Like, That's an... um, I just I feel like everybody's banding together to try to get things to happen. Like for instance, right now the 90-day rent freeze or suspension in New York. Everyone's banding together. Like, we're a group, but it's all for individual selfishness because we all individually don't want to pay rent. So it's a lot of a lot of that happening in different forms, but it's all... People tend to get together for something that they personally want to benefit them stronger than they would for, like, you know, you see a video of children in Syria eating crumbs out of mud, and you just kind of go, oh, that's sad, and you keep scrolling. But then when we're faced with something, then it's, like, personally... And we can get other people on board to help us get out of this. And it becomes, let's band together and change this. So I don't know if that's hope or cynicalism. I think it's just observation of humanity. Uh, I don't think we'll see real humanity until um, something really bad happens, which I hope never happens. But, you know, humanity, humanity was 
amazing, like in moments of like 9-11. That's when everything was truly selfless when people get together. But this right now, I just feel like we're all just like thinking about ourselves and afraid of losing money and whatever else. Well put, Nash. Well put. Yeah. One more question for you. Given that you're a comedian, comedic writer, where is the humor in all of this? Um, I don't know. I think the humor... Uh, I was thinking about this, and... I don't know. I don't know if there is humor, because it's just like... It's very serious for some people and then for other people. You know what? If there is humor, I, I think I have to stick within what I know, which is the comedy community. Because it's like, even on my Facebook page, it's like half of it is people I went to high school with and school with, and the other half, maybe even more than half, are comedians. And so I see like real concerns and worried about their family. And then from comedians, I see things like, oh, I can't go on stage, check out my new podcast, or tune into Instagram Live, kind of like what I'm doing. And just seeing the shift of priorities amongst people is just kind of funny in it. And while we think we're struggling, we still have these huge first world problems. And I think that's the funny part of it. Thank you very much, Nash. Nash Rose talking with us from her apartment in Yonkers, New York. And I uh, wish you the best. Uh, I, you know, hopefully uh, next time we talk, all of this stuff has lifted. Uh, but either way, once again, it's a joy talking with you. Thanks for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Tell your family I said hello. And also, uh, tell tell your fiancé, Nori, we, uh, we're we enjoying watching him. If you want to give a plug to your, your, uh, your, your arguing with Nori and Nash, you, you know, where would people be able to check that out? Oh, yeah, we're only doing it on Instagram Live, arguing with Nori and Nash. Right now we're doing it every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday at 7. So we'll be going live again tonight at 7, but you guys won't hear this at that time. But that's when we're doing it. Those are the quarantine hours. It might change after quarantine. Excellent. All right. Have fun. Talk with you soon. Thanks. You too.
philosophy, possibly speak tongue. Beat drums, Abyssinian Street Baptist, rap this and fine linen. From the beginning, my practice extending across the atlas. I begat this, flipping in together on the dirty mattress. You can't match this, rapper slash actress. More powerful than two Cleopatra's. Bomb graffiti on the tomb of Nefertiti. MCs ain't ready to take it to the Serengeti. My rhymes is heavy, like the mind of Sister Betty. El Boogie spars with stars and constellations. Then came down for a little conversation. Adjacent to the king, fear no human being. Roll with cherubims to Nassau Coliseum. Now hear this mixture where hip hop meets scripture. Develop a negative into a positive picture. Sometimes it seems, sometimes it seems, we'll touch that tree, we'll touch that tree, come slow and not at all, they come slow, you know what I mean? and the ones on top, the ones on top, won't make it An excerpt from Jack Kerouac's masterwork, On the Road. Finally, we went to a big bread bakery, and the Oki came out with his brother, who was wearing coveralls and was apparently the truck mechanic inside. He talked with his brother a few minutes. We waited in the car. Oki was telling all his relatives his adventures and the loss of his guitar. But he got the money, and he gave it to us, and we were all set for Frisco. We thanked him and took off. Next stop was Tulare. Up the valley we roared. I lay in the back seat, exhausted, giving up completely. And sometime in the afternoon, while I dozed, the muddy Hudson zoomed by the tents outside Selma, where I had lived and loved and worked in the spectral past. Neil was bent rigidly over the wheel, pounding the rods up to his hometown. Only a month ago, he had come down the same road with Al and Helen Hinkle, bound for North Carolina. There I was in the back seat, accomplished. I was sleeping when we finally arrived in Tulare. I woke up to hear the insane details. Jack, wake up. Alfred found his aunt's grocery store. But do you know what happened? His aunt shot her husband and went to jail. The stores closed down. We didn't get a cent. Think of it. The things that happened, the troubles on all sides, the wonderful events. We... Alfred was biting his fingernails. We were turning off the Oregon Road at Madeira, and there we made our farewell with little Alfred. We wished him luck and Godspeed to Oregon. He said it was the best ride he ever had. It was. He ate royally. He was at a party in a ranch. He rode horseback. He heard stories. 
He felt pretty good about it, but looked awful forlorn when we put him down where we found him, on the side of the road with his thumb stuck out, and darkness coming. We had to make Frisco. The golden goal loomed ahead. Neil, Luann, and I leaned forward in the front, all alone again, and zoomed. It seemed like a matter of minutes when we began rolling in the foothills before Oakland and suddenly reached a height and saw stretch out ahead of us the fabulous white city of San Francisco on her eleven mystic hills with the blue Pacific and its advancing wall of potato patch fog beyond and smoke and goldenness in the late afternoon of time. There she blows, yelled Neil. Wow, made it. Just enough gas. Give me water. No more land. We can't go any further because there ain't no more land. Now, Luann, darling, you and Jack go immediately to a hotel and wait for me to contact you in the morning as soon as I have definite arrangements made with Carolyn and call up Thunderbuck about my railroad watch and you and Jack buy the first thing, hit town a paper for the want ads and, and, and... And he drove into the Oakland Bay Bridge, and it carried us in. The downtown office buildings were just sparkling on their lights. It made you think of Sam Spade. The fog rolled in. The buoys went B-O in the bay. Market Street was a riot of crowds and sailors and girls. Smells of hot dogs and food. Noisy bars. Screeching traffic. Cable cars and all of it in soft, delightful air that made us drunk when we staggered out of the car on O'Farrell Street and sniffed and stretched. It was like getting on shore after a long voyage at sea. The sloppy street reeled under our feet. Secret chop sueys from Frisco, Chinatown floated in the air. We took all our things out of the car and piled them on the sidewalk. Suddenly, Neil was saying goodbye. He was bursting to see Carolyn and find out what happened. Luann and I stood dumbly in the street and watched him drive away. You see what a bastard he is, said Luann. Neil will leave you out in the cold any time it's in his interest. I know, I said, and looked back east and sighed.
Vespa. Children bouncing a basketball. Young adults on Vespas cruising the cobblestone streets in an old hillside village. Urban dwellers and rural vegetable sellers all want the same peace of mind and sweet harmony of passing time. And perhaps a refreshing drink with smiles brandishing weapons of love and courage. Have it. Episode 363 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks that made this episode possible. First and foremost, comedic writer and comedian Nash Rose, the great Jack Kerouac, and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, LCD Sound System, U.S. Girls, Lauren Hill, 10,000 Maniacs, 
Erica Badu, Terrence Blanchard, and Brantford Marsalis, too. Thanks so much for listening. It's nice to know you're out there. Until next time, let's give it a go and try to enjoy this time. Take care.